Greetings, friends of the apocalypse. This is Jared the Apocalypse Nerd Wallace from Podcast Act Around Zero for our second attempt for tonight. So does that make this part three, technically? <laughs> so uh, episode it's, 17. Uh, it's, it's, it's episode, it's, it's part 2.2. 2.1. Can I get a part four? Part four, part four. Okay, part five, part five, part five for the man of the hat. Part five for the let's, man of the hat. Can I get a part let's, six? Let's not, let's not jinx us, William. <laughs> so, yeah. All right, so uh, episode You're 17, Religion and the Apocalypse. So we have to start from scratch. We had some technical difficulties that locked up. So I'm uh, going to just go right into the conversation pretty much this time. Uh, I'll talk about some news next week. Uh, the only thing I'll re reemphasize is that, again, we did lose Patrick McGowan five years ago on this day. It's a very sad day. So uh, everybody should uh, toast, host a drink to uh, number six on this day if you have a chance. So religion. Okay, so we're going to talk about what we didn't get to talk about last time. Okay, last time we talked about more fiction, more uh, role-playing games, video games, things like that. This time we want to talk about what's going to potentially be in the real world. So we're going to try to re go back into what we were talking about a little bit. We had a little bit of good dialogue going on here. Uh, the main theme of what we were talking about was okay, religion afterwards, okay, whether it be you know Hinduism, Christianity, Judaism, uh, you know the larger you know larger organizations. Is it going to will the decentralization of the religious organization affect people and their religion? Because as we even know in the, in this modern day, without an apocalypse. Uh, we have a lot of uh, cults, you know, and small sects, you know, uh, 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 six. Yeah, well, we have a lot of religious sects, but, uh, like, you know, oh, the Brand, <laughs> Branch, <laughs> Branch Davidian, um, you have the Westboro, you know, and then we have, you know, all kinds of other, you know, cults, like, what was it back in the 90s with the guy with the, uh, the purple triangles and the, and they all killed themselves because the spaceships were coming, oh, the you know. Gate. Heaven's Gate, thank you, sir. So there's a lot of there's a lot of it out there right now. Now the thing is, when the when the apocalypse happens, no matter what the apocalypse is, whether it is, you know, viral, nuclear, uh, real, or you know, I think those are going to be our two possible real, three possible, real, maybe some kind of conventional or natural disasters, whatever the case may be. Now you know we're not talking you know zombie apocalypses or you know the fantasy stuff. We're talking try to be a little more. Grounded, yeah. Just try to be. I guess we're trying to be a little more grounded in our philosophy of this of this particular one. So, bird flu. Uh, bird flu. Uh, so we were thinking uh, how, you know, how bird apocalypse. What would what would happen? You know, what would happen with religion? How would people react? Now, uh, I do want to start off with Rihanna this time uh, because she was originally talking about she was making a, a good parallel to the Black Plague, because that's probably our closest modern equivalent to uh, an apocalyptic situation with mass deaths and how people, what happened with people with religion uh, back then. So we're going to let her uh, start with that, which we were talking about when things started to kind of freeze up. Okay, so um, yeah, when we look, when we look at the at uh, Europe, uh, right after the Black Death, uh, uh, the Black Death hit a lot of places all over the world, but it had the most impact on the population density in Europe, um, and so you had a lot of, um, you know, piles of corpses, um, more dead people than living people, that kind of thing. Um, so it's in a lot of ways, um, 
a real-world apocalypse. There have been other real-world apocalypses, like uh, Scott keeps bringing up what happened uh, in both North and South America with the plagues that uh, Europeans brought to the natives. But the problem with those is that you've got an apocalypse, you've got a, a plague apocalypse that is then followed abruptly uh, by a conquest, and so it's it's hard to it's hard to see how much of it is. Um, apocalypse and how much right. is conquest, the, the effects of what's happened. But in Europe, you get to see the spiritual outcomes of people who, you know, everybody around them, they were too sick to come and conquer afterwards, but they weren't quite as sick as Europe. So you, you, when you look at Europe right after the Black Death, you're looking at this population. They became very obsessed with death. There was death everywhere. There... They were all about, the, I mean, the, the Grim Reaper, the skeleton with the scythe, uh, dates back to that. Um, Is it, isn't isn't the, the, the Black Death where we get those uh, giant sepulchers and cathedrals and whatnot in Central Europe made out of bones where they used? Yeah, yeah because they had these dead people lying around. Might as well use them for building material. Um, and, and so, you know, you get this incredible morbidity because there are so many dead people, and there is so much death everywhere. Um, and uh, But the thing we were talking about earlier uh, when we had the technical difficulties was the decentralization from the, the lack of population uh, and the breakdown of communication that created, uh, like you were saying, cults, sects, um, but also it made it possible for, in areas of enlightenment, for religion to have almost no effect on uh, on uh, on science um, and for uh, people of um, people of very progressive mindsets to be able to invent new religions um, that were very uh, harmonious with education um, and harmonious with uh, societal progress. So the decentralization has a, an effect of making everything extreme, both to the negative and to the positive. And you also saw people um, clinging to clinging to spirituality in search of hope, but you also saw people lashing out against spirituality um, as something to blame. People looking for anything to blame, um, and people would sometimes use religion as an excuse to blame certain populations. Um, you, you definitely saw you definitely saw Jews being persecuted, gypsies being persecuted, um, but you also saw monks being persecuted. People would look for absolutely anybody to scapegoat, um, and uh, and then at the same time, while this is going on, the Renaissance is happening because you because the decentralization allows a level of progress that was being held back before by entrenched power. It's, it's my impression that despite the fact that China went through a period uh, of suffering under the Black Death, that China didn't have the balkanization that Europe did. China didn't have the breakdown into, you know, city-states and extremely loose uh, sort of imperial government that it was... Um, that it was uh, that, that they maintained a, a central authority and a central state during this period over what is essentially, you know, almost half a continent. Uh, but Europe, Europe took a much more became much more decentralized than Asia. Is that is that an yeah, accurate? Europe took the worst hit because Europe had the worst hygiene of everywhere <laughs> that was hit. 
So, so nothing's changed, really. Then. <laughs> the Japanese still take more baths than the French. That's correct. I think they think the Japanese take more baths than anybody. But yeah. uh, say what you like. You know, but, they might have they might have had beheading contests in um, in uh, Nanking, but they were there. They they know how to scrub between their toes. That's for sure. So, so what would you like to add? so uh, Scott? So add to that the thought of like how religion, you know, in the immediate uh, after the apocalypse, but not the long term, but like well, what's going to happen? Like what's going to happen? Like right afterwards? What do you think? With you know, with well, the, the, the thing that I was uh, talking about when we got cut off was uh, that the word apocalypse is uh, from the Greek uh, meaning a revelation. I mean, we use the word post-apocalypse to mean like post-collapse civilization uh, in a secular term, but really it's a religious term. It's, it comes from our, our primary Abrahamic religions, um, you know, Judaism, uh, Christianity, and, and Islam. And um, the, uh, the result is, is that, you know, uh, uh, my thought on that was because it's, it's so, you know, closely wrapped up in um, uh, that the idea of an apocalypse is, is, is very wrapped up in religion. I've been reading Robert Price's paperback, paperback Apocalypse, which is about the history of both secular and Christian writers writing about the Christian-style apocalypse uh, from the revelation of St. John the Divine, the whole story of the rise of the Antichrist, the rise of the uh, false prophet, the whore of Babylon, uh, the second coming of Jesus. And um, the thing that, I'm, that strikes me is that in the immediate aftermath, of a meteor hitting the earth, uh, you know, solar flares, whatever, whatever you want your apocalypse to be, you know, uh, limited nuclear war, global pandemic. Uh, that there's that that um, this horrible event, which you know is going to affect most of the globe or, or or you know entire hemisphere of the globe or whatever, uh, is going to have some of the Traipsing, some of the some of the uh, trappings, trappings, traipsing. Uh, anyways, uh, it's going to have some of the trappings of the Christian apocalypse, but it's not going to hit on all eight cylinders. Uh, there's not going to be, you know, uh, the you know, the, there's not going to be a rapture, uh, which again is also I haven't gotten which to that is not part. biblical, by the yeah, way. Yeah, I was about to say I haven't gone to that part in in. in it's not uh, in there. It, I, I've I've read all the way through. It's not even in the back. Yeah. Uh, but in the back of the Bible, okay. It's not even the... So many things that we think are from the Bible are actually from fiction. There's, okay. yeah, it's, there's a they're, huge they're amount. They're technically what we call in theology made-up crap. Okay. The expanded universe. <laughs> yes, yes. Extra-canonical. Wow. wow. A, a, lot, a lot of it. A lot of it is actually from Paradise Lost, Milton's Paradise Lost. Not all or of Dante? it, but... or Dante. Yeah, some of it's Dante. Yeah. Uh, yeah, actually, that would be something I want to. I want to before I get back to what I was saying, Rhea, what was it you were saying uh, earlier about the things that have been that that have been that fiction that 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 Paradise Lost and Dante's Inferno are works of fiction that always purported to be fiction, and yet they inform the popular idea of this religion more than the source material does. I mean, you were absolutely. Um, like, for example, Lucifer, uh, that means uh, something like son of the morning, and it used to be a popular name. It was considered to be good luck. Luke, uh, in, as in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, was probably named Lucifer. Um, there was absolutely nothing wrong with the name. It was, it was just a name. Um, but a couple of 
maybe two or three hundred years ago. I think it was Milton that that did this. They he talked about the um, the angel Lucifer, who was this beautiful angel who fell, and then there was the war in heaven. And ever since then, Lucifer has come to mean Satan, um, and and that they're synonymous. And it's it's like it's like Hitler. It used to, you know Adolf. Adolf used to just be a name. Anybody could be named Adolf. Um, and now it's synonymous with, you know, some sort of horrible uh, tyrant. Well, Lucifer just used to be an ordinary name, and now it means Satan, because that was the name of the angel that uh, started the war in heaven. And that, oh, that's fictional. That's going to be the name of my first cat, Lucifer and Adolf. Anyway. But. <laughs> and the, these, these names were, ab I mean, the, 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 in these books were absolutely meant to be fiction. Uh, yeah, they were not, they were they were, not meant to be. They were intended to be spiritual fiction, like for example, um, C.S. Lewis's Narnia series. They were that's what they were supposed to be. Well, you know, um, they I, were I, no, I, would, I, would, I would take a little exception and say that that uh, Dante is not spiritual fiction. Dante is religious commentary. Uh, okay, so yeah. you could say those are the same thing. But he he is Dante is not looking at his own work as a work of fiction. He is looking at it as commentary on spiritual and political matters. I would, well, I would say. I would say especially political matters, because my understanding, you know, of the Inferno is that everybody he run, he keeps running into people who were who were douchebags just one generation ago. Well, and not just the Inferno, uh, the Divine Comedy. So he goes to yeah. Purgatorio, and then and then uh, uh, oh. what is it? Uh, Paradiso. Uh, so he's encountering people then that he's also indifferent to or that he likes uh, in these various places. So it is political commentary, but it is also religious commentary as well. I wouldn't say that it's it's simply a work of fiction uh, because it's, it's so the novel didn't exist. Huh? The, the concept of the novel did not exist when Dante was writing. Well, that's exactly right. right. You're exactly um, right. So, uh, but, 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 to get us back on track, back <laughs> okay. on track, back on track. I don't know, Scott. You know, what, what's your point well, about what? Well, how does that tie my, into what we're talking about? My, my point uh, about that is, is that we may find that some of our post-apocalyptic religions uh, become more uh, uh, informed uh, not by material from the Bible, but by material from pop culture. Uh, such as it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, sort of pop culture ideas of 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 uh, religion, but even to, to back up even more, what I was saying is that there's going to be a certain amount of disappointment when whatever apocalypse we have doesn't track with the apocalypse that was advertised in the back of the Bible. Um, when it doesn't become the St. John, you know, the divine apocalypse with a reformed Roman Empire and a mark of the beast and an antichrist and a poor Babylon, and so on and so forth, and a bunch of bugs from the pit with the faces of men and, you know, flaming breastplates released by the demon Abaddon, you know. If it doesn't turn out literal... Abaddon will. Uh, you're sure, yeah. Uh, if it doesn't turn out literal, uh, there's going to be a lot of people who are going to um, wonder, uh, you know, so when is this apocalypse supposed to happen? When, it, when you know, we've been, it's been advertised... Something really apocalyptic happened, and then it didn't hit any of the main points that are supposed to happen. I think that's going to be. I mean, we've had people for centuries, particularly, I don't know, it feels like particularly here in the States, advertising that they did the Bible math and that 
the apocalypse is going to be next Tuesday, or if they're smart, it'll be just long enough from now so that I'll be dead before then, and you'll, you won't be able to call me on it. But, um, you know, uh, the, the deal is is that we, we've always had these sort of people uh, banking on apocalypses, and, 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 and if it doesn't turn out to be what they want, how big a hit is faith going to take uh, because it did not follow the prescribed apocalypse that the religion, you know, has. That's valid, very valid, because now people's are going to be questioning what they, well, no matter what they believed in, when it doesn't fit that description, like, oh, well, what just happened, and what do we well, believe you know, in in faith? So I would give, I would give a counterpoint to that, though. Uh, let's take a look at contemporary religion. Let's take a look at the Bible, for example. I've read the Bible. Some other people have read the Bible, but generally they're not the people who are actually going to church. Uh, if you were to take a look at the Bible, if you were an alien species or someone who had never read anything and didn't understand any other culture in the world, and you were to read the Bible, and you were told, all right, jump into the future and describe the religion that is extrapolated from this Bible, you would come nowhere close to what actually exists. So we have in the Bible a deity, a God figure, who creates wine. There's a whole story about him creating wine. And the religion we extrapolate from that, at its extreme version, uh, consists of people who are rabidly anti-alcohol. Really? The God, right there, in the holy book, creates wine, and you'll actually get people who proclaim this as their holy book, who say, yes, but it was different back then. Uh, wine didn't really mean alcohol. Open blasphemy. Open yeah. blasphemy, the version <laughs> of their own holy book, this is what we see. So the idea that shit isn't going to turn out like it says in the Bible, people are going to be shaken by that? Absolutely not. They're going to read it, the it helps if they haven't that read confirms it. what they, what they want to believe. It does help you, if they haven't read it. You're going to have a lot of different reactions. You're going to have some people losing their faith and becoming atheists. You're going to have some people interpreting it and being like, oh, I can see how this thing that happened meant this, and right. this thing that happened is re is referred to by this, and they're going to deconstruct it and turn it all into a metaphor for what actually happens, and they'll be like, it was predicted perfectly all along, and there's going to be some people who are going to say, the, this isn't the real apocalypse. The apocalypse hasn't happened yet. The one that's predicted in the Bible is yet to come. Um, and you're going to have everything, every other possible response along that continuum. I think you're right. I think you'll get all responses. That's exactly right. Uh, but you won't necessarily get a predictable one that you would think you would get. Uh, you're going to get all of them, and people are going to spin it and 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 reinterpret it as they see fit. I, I think that I think you're right, Ryan. Now let's uh, let's get William. Let's get uh, some of your take on that. Well, uh, both uh, Mike and uh, Rhiannon, you've been uh, both kind of commented on, on reading the Bible, and all of us living in the modern day have a tremendous luxury that didn't exist in past ages. We're all literate, and we all have very immediate access to the Bible in all its forms. That's so right. if we hear anyone make a claim about what check. the contents of the Bible are, we can pick up the Bible, we can pick up the translation of our choice, or even multiple translations, and look anything up. Um, but one of the things that's going to happen in a post-apocalyptic environment, um, as you know, certain social institutions break down, is literacy rates are going to fall off. Good point. And Good with point. Thank, thank you, thank you, Will, because that was 
after you were, I was going to lead into that. So oh, yeah. continue, please. So, so after you know, after you know, if if no one's really trying to keep literacy out there within a generation or two, you're only going to have a small percentage of the population that can actually read any kind of text, and that's going to make them you know very very powerful because on the one hand they can read the historical text, they can read the instruction manuals and the engineering guides, so they can know how to make things work, but in but. That goes even more so for for religion, because if you're whether you're well intentioned, whether you, whether you're a well intentioned spiritualist or a complete tyrant who's just tr who doesn't believe a word of what he's saying, you know, you can uh -huh. you can say you can tell people what the contents of the holy book are, and they will have no way of knowing whether or not you're wrong because they won't be able to pick up their own copy and read it. Yeah. And that can, how is, and, and how that's is that cause, different? How is that different than right now? Because well, because well, again, you and I, anyone could pick up that book, and and for you know, for lack of a better for, 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 uh, word, prove them wrong about what the I, contents are. A great number of people never do though. Yeah, well, yeah. well regret, regrettably, no. We're, we're and, not, even, we're, and even people who are literate and pick up the book and read it still interpret it their own way. But well, when you a lot that, of that, a lot of that is that fundamentalist sects prefer to use the King uh, King James version. Can't understand it. Can't understand a damn thing in it. Uh, New International Version. You can actually read it. You can understand the words. Uh, so a lot of the extreme sects shun the New International Version because people can actually understand what it says. They go to the King James Version because it's all this inverted Yoda-esque kind of talk. Nobody knows what it means. <laughs> you can, can make it sound like whatever you want. But you could you can take it even even further though because you know there's so many you know different versions of the Bible you could have sects that believe that uh, I remember in the early 90s there was a Bible graphic novel of the two volumes Old and New Testament that was advertised on cable you might have oh, a sect I, that I I remember that <laughs> yeah you might have a sect that only believes that the pictographic one is the canonical Bible good point. You know, likewise, you know, you might have a sect that believes that only that the teen devotional Bible is 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 you know the the true word of God. Well, that's um, that, that that's my that's my only Bible is that one. But you can take it even further because I mean the Bible the Bible has many books by many authors. You could have a future religion where they take the Old Testament, the New Testament, and then might also graft on one of the Left Behind novels and also like Chicken Soup for the Soul. Very very, very astute, Will. It's very astute. Zen and the art of motorcycle maintenance now becomes the new text. Uh, I don't think yeah. that's me, but I have been noticing. Um, I have been noticing that um, lions have started to become a symbol for God, um, and and I think that there's there's been a uh, there was um, a lion king, and there was, there was Mufasa in the sky speaking to his son about. Matters, and giving his son spiritual instruction when he was still alive, and then there was a huge rise in popularity of the C.S. Lewis movies, um, and and you've got Narnia, and you've got this very deliberate allegory between um, Aslan and Jesus, and I have started noticing in pop culture that lions mean God the Father. A lion means God the Father now. Um, in and, and even though Aslan is supposed to be Jesus, um, that, that the Mufasa thing has changed the context of Aslan, um, and I I have started noticing people doing this, not necessarily faithful Christians, but random people in pop culture when they want to show 
a picture of God, they are often as often likely to show a lion as they are to show uh, like an old man with a beard. And the Rastafarians um, always did that, keep in mind. Uh, they always uh, referred to the lion uh, of Judah. Uh, that's why you'd see either a Holly Selassie or a lion as the symbol in the well, Rastafarian. Maybe, maybe, maybe she, uh, C.S. Lewis got that from that. There, there was uh, a, he some might have. There. So maybe there was some influence. That's certainly possible. So, the, uh, go, go, go ahead, ahead Scott. sir. No, no, I was going to say, so I was going to say, so, um, so again, for the, the immediate uh, afterwards, again, it's it's going to be jumbled as we, we've definitely, I think we've definitely established that, that you're going to get reactions from one end to the other. We don't know how people it's going to react. So I think, like, Will had made a good point, was, and I was going to say, what's going to happen in the long term? You know, that's what I think. It's like, like, like you said, liter uh, literacy rates are going to drop. Less people are going to read. For but also of, For a couple of generations, at least. For a couple of generations. And also, like you said, as we're moving down, you're going to get some branch, some, some branch offs, some different sects that are going to be formed. Uh, so, you know, are, you know, are they going to clash? Are they going to, you know go deeper, you know, uh, or, or is there going to be less religion, you know, that we got to think what's going to happen in the long term, you know, like, there's going to be a melding of, you know, the graphic Bible with, uh, uh, what was the name of the series, the, um, the Left Behind, Left Behind series. series, so, yeah. yeah, so maybe things are going to be a mesh of whatever's left that people could find, or whatever suits their, uh, suits, suits their needs. Uh, Will, you uh, got some... Well, this, this is something that we really we've been concentrating a lot on uh, the the Abrahamic religions, and one thing we we haven't talked about are are, are things outside of that, like uh, like pagan religions, and you know that that's you could have so much. I mean, there there are many there are many pagan uh, religions that are very connected with you know with with cycles, uh, lunar cycles, the cycle of seasons, and what have you, and in the right post apocalyptic environment. Those cycles are just shattered. Imagine a nuclear winter happens. Well, now you have one season all the time, and you can't see the moon, and you're lucky if you can see a bright patch that indicates the sun is there. And yeah. you know, imagine imagine what that might do, to, you know, to to a pagan religion, which which and, and I, I will certainly stand to be corrected if I'm wrong, but it's it's my understanding that there really aren't any. Because it's based on old religions with a high oral tradition, there really aren't canonical texts. So it, no, that means not. that those religions could evolve very quickly to deal with that. You yes. know, uh, go well, ahead, Maria. Paganism is that um, it's highly individualistic. You will run into very few Wiccans. Like so, so let's say you have two Wiccans who identify as Alexandrian Wiccans specifically, and Alexandrian Wicca is one of the closest to being strict of all of the types of Wicca, um, any two Alexandrian Wiccans are not going to agree on everything that they believe, and they're going to be pretty okay with that. There's a lot of, in, in paganism, there's a lot of um, celebration of individuality. That's, that's actually what I did my master's thesis on, is, uh, is contemporary paganism. So when you're looking at how contemporary paganism is going to evolve, it's going to be completely individualistic because it already is. Um, it's it's going to be very unpredictable and very different, and everybody's going to do their own thing. So without a dogma, there's going to be a lot less splitting people's heads open to prove who's right? 
there will be in certain areas. If you get an isolated pocket of murderous crazy, then then it will not be as affected from the outside. It's going to be in, in an isolated pocket. You're going to actually have an easier time for murderous crazy to get bad um, because they're not being influenced on the outside. Nobody knows this is going on. And so it's already gotten bad by the time anybody has realized um, that, that this is happening. So murderous crazy is going to happen, yeah. Um, and it's not going to be a function of any given religion. It's going to be a function of people going completely off the deep end and being isolated from anyone who can make them sane again. Plus, until it's plus scared. I mean, you know, you know, uh, the, I, I keep thinking of of the as far as murderous, crazy pagans go. I always think of the religion from the 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 Wicker Man, the horror movie, The Wicker Man, where their isolation and their fear and a collapse of their local agriculture pushes them to do a to commit a human sacrifice to to save their way of life. And um, yeah, you throw the fear in there and the isolation, plus a little charismatic leadership. And yes, there's all kinds of nasty you can make in, out of any religion. Well, uh, what is what is, what's kind of I've been thinking about why why uh, we've been talking is um, is just from everything we were talking about in examples, and we've been trying to cite examples from the past, trying to cite examples from. Uh, contemporary to think, well, how's it going to project into the future? And it really doesn't. If, if I'm wrong, uh, you know, please uh, comment on it. Is I don't think religions is going to overall be much different than it is now. Well, because uh, you know, not it's not going to be that far fetched because it's going to be it's not going to be like all of a sudden, like again, like we talk about the fantasy stuff. Like, listen, I'm the, the you know the Church of Elvis, and we okay, you know. Well, uh, okay, let, let, let me make a comment on that, uh, Jared. It might not be different in its ultimate character than it is now. I agree with you. We're not going to have this this foolishness of people worshiping Bruce Campbell any more than they worship him now. Uh, and they're all idiots anyway. Uh, so, so yeah. Hey, 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 hey. That. But hey. you see, religion's not going to be any more different. What religion do you mean? Do you mean religion in a country like the United States that actually has laws that limit what religion can do? Or do you mean religion in a country like uh, Iran. Uh, Spain uh, during uh, the Inquisition? Do you mean religion in a country like Iran during the Iranian Revolution? Uh, you're right. Religion will not be any different than it is. Uh, but the, the lack of controls of modern society to prevent it from going into its extremes, that is what we're, we're going to, to, to see. Uh, oh, we're going to see... These things get taken to their extremes because there won't be any checks and balances anymore. That, that's, a, that's a valid point, but the thing is, I don't, I don't think it's going to necessarily go to extremes overall everywhere because, again, that no. breakdown, that isolation, lack of communication. So it's not like it, somebody's going to say, okay, everybody, we're now got prayer in school, yay, across the whole country because everything's going to be isolated pockets. You know, So it's going to be depending on where you're at, You know, I would yeah. think. Has... And like I said, there will be isolated pockets of extreme progression and advancement and open-mindedness. Um, I'll be leading one of those. Or not, there will be, I, I mean, I really think that if, if you have even one holdout of civilization 
what the apocalypse is actually going to ultimately cause is a renaissance because all of the entrenched power is, is gone. I mean, it's going to be horrible at the time, and there may be a couple of hundred years to recover, but after those couple of hundred years, if there's one holdout of civilization, what will happen afterwards is the renaissance. I, I think you just described the entire story arc from Game Designer Workshop's Twilight 2000 to Traveler 2300. Has anyone here ever read uh, Bill the Galactic Hero? Oh no! I don't read things with names like that. It's, I I I know I know of it. Never. He's got three arms, correct? And one of the or wait, he's got he or one's a backwards. backwards. Arm. He has one backwards yeah. arm. Well, it's it's this it's the satire of military science fiction, and in the first, and it takes place so far in the future that you have people who Earth is like a historical footnote, and in the first story, in the first book. Uh, when Bill joins the military, he meets the first person from Earth he's ever seen. And this guy from Earth is happens to be a missionary from the One True Faith. And you get this whole story about how... Um, Sometime before the Galactic Empire got founded, uh, Earth had a full-scale nuclear exchange, and the whole Earth was laid waste to, except for one little area, which was spared because that was supposed to be the home of the One True Faith. Uh, and this guy's now a missionary trying to bring the One True Faith of Earth to you know, the former colonies in the Empire. Uh, and then you find out that the one place that didn't get scorched during this nuclear apocalypse was the island of Haiti, and the one true faith uh, is voodoo. Hmm. And, you know, th there are going to be religions that exist in the apocalypse simply because it's the religion that survives. Yeah. Whether well, by luck or engineering or what have you. I, I've, been, I've been wanting to, to, to say this for a while, as far as the religions that I don't think are going to survive. I mean, there are certain religions that I have a hard time imagining that the Abrahamic religions are going to get wiped out um, completely. I have a hard time imagining that religions like um, uh, that uh, uh, some of these faiths like Santeria or Voodoo or Makumba, which are these syncretic religions between uh, traditional African animism and Christianity, create those religions. Or Hinduism is, you know, the Hindu religions are going to start Buddhism, Shinto. I don't really have a hard time imagining. staying power. Yeah. But I've got to tell you, there's a and, and I'm and I and I'm I'm not even going to take a swipe at uh, the Church of Latter Day Saints. I think that I think they've got a good shot at surviving. Um, not the least of which because, uh, to quote Christopher Hitchens, when they asked him, you know, at some point, is is the Church of Latter Day Saints a, a Christian church? He says, well, they didn't start off as one, but they're getting more Christian with every generation. Um, and I think there's a lot of truth in that. That 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 that's a religion that has moved from a very outside, uh, you know, sort of very charismatic, almost cult, that has been moving more and more mainstream with every generation. But I'll tell you who's not going to make it, and i got to tell you, that's Scientology. Scientology is just, how could Scientology make it in a post-apocalyptic world when it exists merely as a way to parasite off the, the ruling class? Um, you know, with their the uneducated own... ruling class. Yeah, well, yes, yes. They're people with extreme amounts of money and no education. In other words, actors. Um, right. Uh, how in the world will will uh, Scientology succeed? And I I bring this up because I've been you know the wife has been reading Going Clear, 
which is an incredibly brutal expose of Scientology. Um, well, not, it, not, not, not all actors are, uh, I mean, look at somebody like Dolph Lundgren. Okay, he's got a master's degree in chemical engineering, or I believe. So, or, or uh, Peter Weller, he has a master's degree in art history. Neither no, of them. Neither of them. Just have a compound. They have a compound where people go and, and live. Um, and anybody who can pay into Scientology uh, up to certain levels can can be in. It's the people who are at the highest level are the people who've given the most money. But people in the middle class, if they're really devoted, they can save up the money and get to the point that they can be allowed to come and live in this compound. Um, I've read some interesting uh, articles of people who have, uh, they self-described escaped from the compound, and they talk about what it's like living there, um, and, the, and it's really actually pretty distressing. Um, yeah. But the interesting thing is the fact that they have a compound means that if that compound is spared in the apocalypse, they now have a community. Um, so Scientology as the worldwide um, phenomenon that it is, I think you're right. That, that the way that they, that they prey on the middle class, uh, that they prey on the upper class, uh, is not going to be possible for them without communications. But that one compound, if it survives, it survives. And then those ideas are going to remain. Well, even worse, there's a there's a long-standing rumor that the Scientologists had uh, had spent the money, uh, spent everyone's e-meter money on having titanium plates etched with Dianetics. That Dianetics and some of other L. Ron Hubbard's nonsense have been etched onto these titanium plates that have been since been placed in a you know nuclear shelter in an isolated area away from you know. Uh, strategic targets with the intent that uh, post-nuclear fire, the only thing that will survive, the only record of human civilization that will survive into the millennia uh, is his shitty book. Um, <laughs> and I can't think of a I cannot think of a, of, a, of a finer goal for a group of radiation-ravaged survivors who are spitting their teeth out and watching their hair fall out, but to be working their way across the, the nightmare landscape with one last mission in mind, and that is to find those plates and fucking melt them with thermite so, so that no matter what... We can make a movie out of it. The yeah. Book of Elrond. Yeah, the Book of Elrond where the, the, the only goal is to destroy this last... <laughs> no matter what survives of human civilization, it's not going to be this. Right. It can be anything else but that. But what about, uh, what about, what about a religion like, um, like the Amish and the Mennonites? Oh, yeah. Well, they're not going to... I don't think they're going to notice unless yeah. they get, yeah. unless I mean, they get if, fallout. If, they're not gonna <laughs> if their community is spared... They will absolutely spread because they will. They have the resources to survive an apocalypse in a way that people who are reliant upon um, electricity don't have. That's right. And so yeah. they're going to actually become outposts of sanity, order, um, civilization. Uh, they, they're going to be important religious centers. Yeah, it's a good point. Absolutely. Yeah. Them, even, them or them or the, or them or the crazy preppers. You know. Yeah. And even if, and even if you know, you know, starving crowds from Pittsburgh, uh, Philadelphia, you know, and New York spread out to fill, spread out into you know Pennsylvania and over on these guys' farms, 
and become their, you know, their sort of Norman warlord, uh, you know, invaders. Because I don't know what the, I don't know what the uh, the attitude is about the Amish, about I mean, and, and, and the Mennonites about, you know, uh, pacifism well, fighting they're, back. They're mostly pacifists. Yeah. Uh, are they allowed to tool up? Even if they don't tool up, even if they're just there, and you know, a bunch of armed uh, thugs show up from the outside to you know, tax them and take their food, they're going to end up absorbing their invader, because they're going to teach the invaders how to survive in a in a nineteenth century or or eighteenth century technology level, and eventually, their invaders will end up, you know. Adopting their culture, we'll be like everyone who ever invaded Egypt, like you know? Mamluk culture. Yeah, well, we could take that like e even even further because you know the 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 Mennonite tradition of the, of uh, the Romspringa. That's a perfect time to get out in the world, check out on other outposts of civilizations, bring back any useful items or learning you might pick up on your travels, assuming that you want to come back or can make it back. But that that's that's another sort of cultural institution that would adapt, I think, very, very well to a post apocalyptic yeah. environment. Yeah, you're right. If if not if not thrive. Yeah, if not thrive, because they're you know, the one thing about the Amish they they fuck like rabbits. So it's it's they're big on big families. Well what, well, what what else they got to do? Says Scott after passing out in a in a Pennsylvania field one night. <laughs> yeah, well, those Amish know how to party, and there's nothing like a buttermilk kegger, you know. Ooh, good old-fashioned old barn raising and cow tipping. <laughs> All right, so um, so we're gonna as we're getting towards the bottom of the hour here, uh, I'm gonna kind of get us. Uh, Back towards what's so it's kind of like start wrapping up a little bit here, uh, just so we had a little bit of a disjointed. Uh, admittedly, admittedly, we've been talking about mostly North American religions because it's what we're most what we're, familiar what we're, with. What we're what we well, at least most familiar with, you know. Yeah. Um. But I um the one other thing I would mention is um if you're looking for good examples in history of 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 you know, isolated areas that, that spawn to crazy religions. I mean, yes, we've all seen, you know, uh, things like the sort of self-created isolationism of the Branch Davidians or the Heaven Gate, Heaven's Gate people or the Solar Temple or, or Jonestown. You know, you've got those kind of groups that create these artificial isolations. But um, check out uh, something called the War of Canudos, uh, which is like spelled C-U-E-N, Canudos. And um, it's an incident out of Brazilian history in their northeastern uh, provinces, the ones that are up by the Guyanas uh, and Suriname. They had a, It's in the 19th century, in the late 19th century, and it's a, a thing where it was a backwater because it was poor and, no, and, and it wasn't developed. Uh, and uh, a cult took over several provinces with uh, a guy who was believed to be the Messiah running it. And for a for several years, they resisted the full efforts of the Brazilian military to retake uh, that area and bring it back under control. And it was, um, it, it, it was, it was every kind of crazy scary you could hope for in sort of a, you know, charismatic, messianic, uh, apocalyptic religion. And... Um, it's one of the. It, it was a, you know, it's it's a it's a religion going off the rails or or, or developing, in the kind of isolation that we're talking about, uh, 
but we rarely get that kind of, I mean, we rarely get the conditions of that kind of isolation. I mean, the Mormons got away with it, having that kind of isolation for a few years out in Salt Lake City, but oh darn, you know, American civilization rolled up to their gates and just couldn't be stopped. Um, I'm wondering about other, you know, if anyone wants to think of any other places where we have some religions that perhaps uh, developed in isolation, um, uh, physical isolation. Uh, I can't think of any others, really. I mean, except maybe the Afrikaners Reformed Church. You guys remember with anybody familiar with that? Uh, oh, yeah, gosh, sure. That's new to me. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they, South they, Africa. Yeah, they, 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 they developed a lot of creepy white supremacy because they, the religion got hooked into local political needs during apartheid. Um, and, you know, does, is not filled with Christian charity, shall we say, for their uh, for for the uh, uh, for the, the the duskier Africans. It's not it's not pretty stuff. Uh, some of the ugliest parts of, uh, of, of uh, white supremacy is, you know, uh, in in South Africa, we're hooked up into that church. But I, I can't think of any I can't think of any other other sort of examples of that kind of. Well, they're isolated, isolated enough, you're just not going to know about them, Scott. No, well, there's that. Uh, there's certainly that. But anybody else? Nobody? I think we've had a full and well-rounded conversation. Bueller? Bueller? I, All right. I have a thought. Uh, when we mentioned that we've been mostly talking about uh, European religions, one thing we're going to look at is that the really impoverished countries all over the world um, a lot of them are struggling with uh, high population density and not enough resources to go around among these people. And it, for the most part, they are looking at um, less medical care and worse hygiene. So if we have a plague apocalypse, for example, um, they would probably be hit the worst because of the, of the, the cleanliness issues and the lack of, of doctors. However... We're going to look at the same thing with these people as we saw in Europe after the Black Death, is that with the reduced population, they all of a sudden are able to have a kind of renaissance that they haven't been able to have, um, because they're not being interfered with by, um, by, the, by wealthy outsiders, because the wealthy outsiders no longer have the ability to interfere. They are already used to operating without electricity because they haven't been able to afford electricity this whole time. The fact that communications have collapsed means very little to them, and they just go on normally. Right. There's going to be an immediate effect of the of everything being very morbid because there's so many dead people around, and they have to deal with the after effects of that. But as soon as they've buried their dead. They're actually going to, just like in Europe after the Black Death, everyone is going to be doing better than they've ever been because all of a sudden there are enough resources to go around, nobody's trying to control them from the outside, um, and they're perfectly fine with the level of technology that they have available. Um, so we're, we would be um, possibly actually the most impoverished countries in the world um, uh, the Renaissance might come from them, um, post-apocalyptic, and and that may have been what was going on yep. in Europe. If you look at at before the Black Death, if you look at China, 
they were a lot wealthier than Europe back then. They had a lot more power and a lot more influence and a lot more knowledge than Europe until the Black Death. And it was after the Black Death when these weird barbarians that had been taken over by the Roman Empire and whatever, and like vaguely civilized, um, cut off and their population was stripped. Now all of a sudden they had the resources um, to, to have this huge uh, renaissance that ended up becoming the dominant culture worldwide. So we might actually see the non-European countries becoming the dominant culture worldwide because of an apocalypse. Good point. Yeah, the less developed world, you know, uh, might be left in a position, you're right, where they're no longer stressed for resources. Um, having been knocked back to sort of pre-vaccine levels of population, is that the right word? Pre-agricultural -ag pre revolution from the 60s, levels of uh, food supply. Um, that might provide, to some extent, um, a, a, a better environment. So pre-industrialized levels. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So, so uh, final thoughts. Uh, we're going to wrap up here. Uh, start with Mike, and let's everybody keep it uh, focused. Keep, keep it shorter little, than Mike. You keep it, or Scott, well, which is impossible, but... Um, of course you can keep it shorter than me. I'm the longest-winded person here. I know. Well, I, I, could, just, I could just mute you, and then uh, we'll go, okay, I'll keep it real my, short. My, my final thoughts are, uh, I'm very gregarious, so if anyone's enjoyed the show, feel free to send me a friend request on Facebook. Uh, along with Will and other friends, I run Skirmisher Publishing and D-Infinity Online Game Magazine. Check us out on Facebook and at d-infinity.net. Well, also, I kind of met your final thoughts on uh, what's going to happen on uh, with religion after the apocalypse as well. Oh, sorry. I thought that was just a generic uh, shout-out. Uh, my final thoughts are that um, uh, religion, sadly, uh, faith brings out the best in people, religion brings out the worst, and uh, the opportunity to force one's belief on others uh, has never uh, passed by uh, people in control of religions, and in the post-apocalyptic world, that is going to be one of the more oppressive forces we have to deal with. Thank you, Mike. Uh, William? On that cheerful note. I'm, I'm, I'm going to say just from, from the perspective of, of fiction and gaming, which is which is where I usually approach it, you know, keep it fun. I've, I've got nothing against, you know, a, a religion based around Elvis. There's a whole industry of Elvis ordained Elvis impersonator priests, and who's to say that they wouldn't get kind of organized after the apocalypse and, and, and canonize Elvis as a saint or prophet and, and keep that ball rolling? I mean, I, I, I think that's still... that's. It, it, certainly, theologically, it may not be a very valid area for exploration, but just as far as entertainment and the imagination, I, I, I think it's so fun to go that way. And, and also, it, check out the Jester Dragon's Random Cult Generator, available on drivethroughrpg.com. Authored by Will. And, yes, and, by and, and you know what? I think Will does actually have a point there, <laughs> with the because... They are priests. They do weddings. You, you, again, at the apocalypse, you don't know what's going to happen. So that's right. That, that's that's a very valid that's a very valid point, which I don't think is very too much in the realms of fiction. I think it's a it's an possibility. It's 
if they're if they're qualified to step in and, and 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 if they're qualified to step in and do a wedding, do a funeral, uh, do you know whatever the baptism would be, perhaps you you know rub a banana. Well, I'm thinking you rub like a banana and peanut butter you know sandwich on the baby. That would be the Elvis thing, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, then somebody's got to do those jobs for our community. Um, I, I, I guess you can step in as the Elvis impersonator. Uh, you know, they've already got they have a vestment. I mean, clearly it's they've already got a vestment set up for it, so that's a good start. That's a valid point. So, uh, Scott, your final thoughts on uh, religion and the apocalypse? Well, you know, I always I always think about the line from Larry Niven's uh, Lucifer's Hammer. Where uh, post Hammerfall, there's a line about in the rat in sort of the the Global Gazetteer as Niven and Purnell are right, you know describing different parts of the world. They they get around to, and in the Middle East, the question uh, of the question of Palestine will be settled. Uh, there's little fuel for tanks. There's less fuel for aircraft. Uh, when the ammunition is gone, it is gone. And they will finish it with rocks and sticks. Um, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's how that's going to turn out. Um, there's not going to be uh, that. That's a zero-sum game. The question of who does Jerusalem belong to, sadly, has been set up as a zero-sum game. And I, I, and, and it's and it's what William was. It's what uh, sorry, Mike was talking about. It's religion versus faith. Um, the religions have set that up. As a zero-sum game, you can't. Uh, Islam can't be successful if uh, if if the place where Muhammad ascended into heaven is not in Islamic hands, and the temple, you know, the ruins of the uh, temple of uh, 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 in Jerusalem can't be successful unless it's in hand in the hands of Jews, and you know, so on and so forth. Um, so. Uh, I, I, I see religion as one of the easy ways to make an apocalypse, as a great motive for an apocalypse, because after all, everyone thinks that, you know, clearly God will, uh, you know, be on their side for this conflict and see that they are protected, uh, no matter what crazy shit they whip out of their bag of, you know, nasty technological tricks, somehow they'll be protected. Um, that always, you know makes me nervous uh, as far as a, a way to have an apocalypse to whether or not what people are going to do after they've, you know, created a nuclear winter or depopulated the globe post-pandemic, how they regard those religions after such an event, that's the part that I am most interested in. I, I would be interested in exploring that uh, in fiction. Uh, not in real life, thank you very much, but in fiction. Um, those are like the last thoughts I guess I have on, on religion. I'm, I'm generally speaking afraid of it. Um, hmm. Very good. And uh, Rihanna, your final thoughts on religion uh, in, after the apocalypse? Um, you know, one thing we talked about after the podcast was over last night that uh, I was really looking forward to talking about was Santa Muerte. I wanted to bring up these uh, the anthropomorphic death. I, I love anthropomorphic death. I have a thing about it in folklore and and mythology. Um, and uh, and I do you know in after the Black Death, people did religion got very very morbid, very obsessed with death. Um, and I really like you know uh, Baron Samadhi, 
um, and uh, the Grim Reaper and Santa Muerte. I love these these representations of death in folklore, and I um, I just I guess my final thoughts are I I look forward to their spread because I think they'll be very popular in a post-apocalyptic world. What did uh, what Jared? What did they call the apocalypse in uh, Deathlands? Didn't they have, did they call it the Big Death or something like that or the the fall off or the oh the um, um what do they call it in the Deathland uh, yeah what they call they had a term for World War Three that was like the Big Death or something I mean certainly in uh, the TV show Jeremiah they refer to the pandemic as the Big Death uh, and certainly I'm thinking just in you know, following up Rhea's point the idea that uh, there would be a you know having had a giant die off which is one of the things that we sort of presume will be part of any apocalypse because it will cut down on civilization and communication and I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't remember what they call it it's I can't think of it right now but uh, yeah uh, the idea that the Grim Reaper will, will be or the angel of death will be getting his due uh, post-apocalypse getting some getting some love or at least some respect um, you know uh, that's an interesting idea for a post for post apocalyptic religions. Absolutely. Hmm, that's true. All right. Well, uh, I don't know. I don't got much else to say on the the topic there because again, it's like I said. Uh, my thoughts is it's like you know it's not going to be like I said. It's it's going to be a lot. I don't know. I don't I don't think we're going to see the immediate uh, not much change afterwards. It's just going to be the long term where we're going to see the changes because it's going to. Maybe develop for whatever's left the pockets, environments, things like that. Uh, the only thing I just wanted to, uh, something I meant to add before was um, what William was saying about uh, literacy, and down the road you're going to get people who are just there's going to be very few people left potentially uh, that are literate, and they're going to be the ones who could read the manuals, read the you know the, the Bibles and the manuals and the and the uh, technical things. Uh, so would they would they be considered the the wizards in the future of, after the apocalypse? Uh, yeah, or the or the priests. I mean, the idea that you'd combine uh, literacy so you know what's in the Bible and literacy so you know what's in the manual for how to start the generator makes sense. Perha perhaps they will offer a prayer before they prime the pump on the uh, generator or adjust the carburetor. Perhaps there are prayers involved first. A lot of medieval science was done by priests out of faith. Um, they were they they thought. I mean, science was basically started out of faith, um, science as we know it. The whole scientific method, the way that we understand it today, was started by priests, and it was partially because they were the most educated. They had the best literacy. Um, well, I, I, um, I, I, didn't hear, I didn't hear Will answer. I asked Will. Oh, I, I, I completely missed the question, actually. <laughs> oh, okay. Oh, sorry. No, I, I, I had said that uh, you were saying that uh, literacy... You know, would, you know, would decline and there'd be few oh, people yes. left. You know, so I was just, you know, saying, oh, they'll they'll become the wizards per se because they're the ones who could read and have knowledge. You know, who could read the books, read the books. You well, know, I from mean, the it, past, the tomes. The scarcity, the scarcity of literacy will make it a, a sacred thing by default because it'll it'll just be it'll be so rare and and will seem so and mysterious to people who don't know how to get information out of these scratchings on paper. That's right. Sacred so. or occult? I mean. The, Sacred and occult are kind of hand in hand, really. 
they're not as different as people think. So whether they're seen as priests or wizards, there's not that much difference between a priest and a wizard, um, effectively, in any given... Practically, right. Yeah, so there you go. So, um, so after the apocalypse, wizards are bound. So we could read, we'll be wizards. So there you go. Great. That, that's a great tie into your Ralph Bakshi uh, Necron 99 puppet <laughs> or, or uh, action Or Zardo's figure. flying head. Oh, or Zardos' flying head. Oh, so, my God. So there you go. All right, folks. Uh, so we're going to shut her, shut her down now. So we talked about, you know, religion and the apocalypse. Uh, we'll be back in two weeks. What we're going to talk about then, I don't know. Uh, I, have, I, haven't really, I haven't really put much thought into that. Domars. I did. Well, we've, we've talked about Domars, and I can we've always talk Domars. about Domars. We've done Domars. <laughs> uh, but we could do things like uh, I liked Will's idea of looting. Um, I also want to do... I would love to talk about. Uh, we might be able to combine a couple of small things because, like, Scott keeps on wanting to talk about sex in the apocalypse, but I, I really don't see that being a lengthy topic, to be honest with you. Uh, hey, mutants got to breed. Well, you know, I always think of that stuff from uh, the TV series uh, The Survivors, where the politics of, of reproduction uh, came up immediately. Oh yeah, there are people who. Who were, you know, Sex, uh, gender, and relationships. I mean, if you if you do all of those things together, you've got more than an hour of topic. Oh yeah, yeah, yes, you, you just can't do sex. Uh, but uh, those things. Uh, I also, I, I also like. I would also like to talk about fashion in the apocalypse because, uh, <laughs> you know, because you know, apparently in '80s movies after Mad Max 2, they determined that. Everybody's going to be wearing buttless leather chaps that look like they're hanging out in a leather bar. That's what the apocalypse is going to look like. So. The only thing that ever survived is uh, fetish stores. Fetish, fetish uh, stores, exactly. That's the only thing that survived. So possibly all, hot topic. Yeah. So there's all kinds of possible little uh, topics we can talk about. I'll, me and Scott will discuss it offline um, uh, uh, during the week, and we'll see what we're going to uh, talk about then. And also, just as a little bit of trivia information. Uh, Scott will probably be the one who might be able to guess this one. Out of all 17 of our podcasts, well, 16, not including this one, which do you think is the one that has been the viewed the most on YouTube? Hmm. That's a good question. Do you uh, know the answer? No, I, I, I don't. I, of, course, of course I know the answer. Uh, the last cool. religion one we did. Okay. Scott? Uh, you know, uh, if I'm not mistaken, do we have a counter for the uh, yeah. on the YouTube page? Mm-hmm. Uh, that's... So that's how I, that's how I know this information. That's why I'm asking the question. I, I, I've looked at all. I, I I would think that uh, I was going to guess that it would probably it would have been like the Gamma World episode since uh, Gamma World is such a a uh, uh, an old timey topic with uh, with uh, uh, the gaming crowd. Uh, uh, I, I, believe, I believe I believe that was in like the top three, but our top viewed episode was the Deathlands episode. Oh, excellent, excellent. Well, you know. Uh, again, stick with the classics. Stick with the classics. So, anyway, folks, uh, we're going to head out of here. And again, thank you for joining us. And again, thank you all our uh, co-hosts for joining us for two weeks in a row. Uh, great discussion, great topic, a lot of good ideas shared. Again, I appreciate your time, appreciate the effort. Limited like, profanity. Uh, limited profanity. And uh, also, oh, also, I might, Scott, I might have a lead on that on the eighth day video. Oh, excellent. Uh, I've been ta- again talking to Bill 
from postapocalyptic.com. He's been doing some research. We've been having some back and forth, so I might I might have something come up on that in the near future. So anyway, so I'll share that when we get that, folks. Again, thank you, everybody, for joining uh, the show and hosting. I appreciate your time, your effort. Thank you, everybody, for joining us and watching us. Again, we'll see you in two weeks. Uh, I'll update you during the week once we know what we're going to do. And, again, this is Jared, uh, plus everybody signing off for Podcast Act Round Zero. See you in the wasteland. Out here. Bye, everybody.